0: Hello, welcome to another episode of the 303 Podcast Overtime Edition. Today we're delighted to be joined by Ian McNulty from the Coventry Blaze. Ian, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Glad to be here. Ah, fantastic. Because we'll talk a little bit about your career prior to coming to the UK. Uh, of course, we're primarily a UK podcast, of course. Just look a little bit about your background before you came to play in the Elite League. Um, just for transparency, before we even start, um just want to warn you that one of the podcast hosts this evening um, sang on the previous podcast about making love to you, and it wasn't me. Okay, so you, you probably haven't, <laughs> haven't heard this as yet, but uh, one of the members on the panel tonight did sing that on the, the previous podcast. Okay, so just be careful when he speaks to you later he's clearly got <laughs> okay. a thing for you uh yeah first of all obviously you grew up as you met in different places you know with your dad's work and stuff and you obviously came from saskatoon but you still have your playing career in alberta um was that because you were living away from home at the time or did you just just sort of get drafted and you played across that part of the, the country uh looking about
1: i uh, know that point in time i was in high school my my parents we just lived in Airgy, alberta just outside calgary and kind of played minor hockey there and then kind of got introduced to the junior system out there and uh, when it just it just didn't kind of work out in my favor and ended up in Saskatchewan when I graduated from high school and went to play junior in Saskatchewan
0: yeah and then you would later on you were going to go to I believe the States to play in the States but you didn't get a scholarship that kind of fell through talk us about how that happened then and how you ended up going on the scholarship to play in the U.S. in the end
1: yeah so back then uh, there was just so many different rules for Canadian high school guys going to U.S. Division One. like I was committed to the University of Connecticut was planning on going there and just a couple of things didn't work out from from high school from different classes I was taking they went all the way back to my grade nine when I was you know 14 years old and there was unfortunately there was nothing really I could do about it so I was kind of stuck and and a decision I had to make, and that was to stay in Canada and play university hockey there.
0: Does it happen a lot then? Do you, do you find a lot of politics that goes on between Canadian and American players at that level of hockey, or were you just like an unlucky case that you just kind of uh, didn't get what you planned on doing in the first place then?
1: Yeah, you know what? It was just kind of unlucky because back then there was no real, no guide to help you from like what you should be taking in school. This is, if you want to be a college player in the States, this is the, the kind of the guidelines you have to follow but now you know it's they have a step-by-step process for these kids nowadays which is huge it helps them out but back then we didn't really have anybody and until i was 18 19 years old out out of high school like i didn't know that was a process i wanted so i started kind of doing well in hockey and getting noticed. but then they bring it back to when you're 14 15 years old when you have absolutely no idea and you're kind of just stuck in the mud from
0: there yeah, absolutely, and I guess like you say, it's different nowadays. With so much being online, a kid who's fourteen, fifteen, by the time he gets eighteen, nineteen, probably knows all the drill how to oh, progress yeah, his sure. career. There's <laughs> probably a lot different, yeah. you know, back then. So when you did want to play college, you played against a few guys that are obviously familiar with the league, uh, guys that you actually play with now, like Brad Norrish, and you played alongside well, against uh, Norrish, of course, and Cozen as well. Um, I believe you played against those two guys, you know, during your college days. Must be quite fun being on the team now with them. Um, i have been playing against him for so many years you know prior to turning pro
1: yeah well uh, me and me and Brady went back a long ways playing junior against each other and we're actually cross-town rivals basically we're 15 20 minutes away from each other and we probably one of the biggest rivalries in junior in Saskatchewan and you know we were supposed to hate each other but we kind of got to know each other we had a a thing where we wouldn't hit each other in the corners and stuff and we built a pretty uh, strong relationship through a mutual friend and then Taron Cozen, who I'm living with now, we played a lot against each other when he was at the U of S, and I was in Regina. It's another cross province rivalry in the University of Hockey. Unfortunately, I got the
0: wrong end of the stick on
1: that one on pretty much every real occasion.
0: <laughs> yeah, like you say, to have guys you're familiar with, of course, from back home, it must make the transition a lot easier playing in this country as well. When you obviously then did leave college, you went to Tulsa, which is a bit of a hotbed for players that come to play in the UK as well. How do you find the adjustment at that time, going from playing sort of college hockey to being a pro and having to deal with the grind of the coast, where it's probably a lot of travel involved? You're probably on the road, you know, quite a long time. Did you find that tough to transition to being a hockey player, you know, at that level? It was tough because you
1: know when guys go to the coast after college, you know, they sign they they sign there and they're like, oh, I'm going to be there for the whole year, but you don't realize what that means. Like, you could be gone any day. There's no there's no protection in that contract. Um, week to week there's guys leaving guys coming in so that was a big eye-opener so you couldn't really take time off you had to learn to work hard and work hard every practice every every shift and just do something to make yourself useful out there so you can stay on the team from week to week but uh I, I lasted three years there my first year we went to the conference finals and lost in game seven which was a heartbreaker but you know, we we kept like a good core of six to eight of us, and kept bringing us back every year. And you just kind of chase that championship every year after that, and you just kind of get hungry for it. But fortunately, the you are kind of treated as a piece of meat, we like to say in that league. And that's you're just it doesn't matter who you are, no one you're no one special. There's no job safe, and it's good to get out. from it's good to I, I I enjoyed my time. I enjoyed the time on the road with the guys and. But it is a, it's a mental grind
0: more than anything, yeah i I just as you say, I guess every day you're sort of not knowing whether you are going to be there for another week or two, and if a guys gonna come down and and you get kicked out, do you think that kind of plays in a little to guys coming from the coast, say for example, to play in the u k now I know no job is guaranteed even in this league, but guys typically don't get as cut as it would likely be other you know other parts of the world. Do you think having been in that kind of grind of the 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 coast coming to the uk gives you a bit more security and you can maybe relax a bit more no one's not guys going to be getting sent down replacing you week by week
1: yeah from from the sense that no one's going to get sent down or whatever but you still have to perform like we see it i mean more and more now of guys getting fired or you know guys leaving to different countries it's no job's ever safe no matter where you are in pro hockey like you still have to perform or be useful for your team and what kind of whatever role you play but you know um, yeah just I guess it's more peace of mind knowing that no one's going to come down and and take your spot, but they'll bring someone in from another country to take your spot if, if,
0: if you're not the guy. Yeah, for sure. And I guess you made a good move in coming to Guildford because they're not a team that's known for making changes. They tend to do a lot of good research before guys get brought in. I know they made a few changes, of course, this season, but prior to that, they'd stick with the same core of guys. You're in, you're out, and it would work. Talk about how you came to the UK and how Guildford was your first choice because... You know, not so long back, they were playing in the lower tier of hockey in this country. But in the last few years, especially, they've got a reputation of being good recruiters. And when guys do go there, they tend to be very loyal. How did you first come to to choose Guildford?
1: It was just kind of random. Um, I guess it kind of went through my
0: agent. My agent
1: had a good connection there and I uh, started talking to, to Paul there. And obviously, Brett Ferguson was from the same town, so we knew each other for years. And Tristan Fry ended up going and we, I don't know, we all just kind of went together. I, I signed without even, without them even knowing about it, to be honest with you. But I did talk to Ferg a little bit about it, but didn't say there was an offer on the table or anything like that. And it just kind of worked out. And, you know, we had such a good, uh, good core group there for a while. And we just, we had a great dressing room and, you know, like we, we succeeded too, which kind of brought me back for the second year.
0: But Ferguson, you mentioned that he's a guy that divides people. I think if you support the you know, the Flames, you love him. If you play against him, you hate the guy. Um, obviously, it makes for back home. you are not going to say any bad things about him. But talk a little bit about what he brings to the team. Because again, he's a guy that's been here a long time now in Guildford. He's been very loyal. But you just know that if he plays against you, you hate him. If he plays for you, you love him.
1: Well, guys, guys hate him because he just, he works so hard, right? He's just resilient. He doesn't stop. And it just, for him, it starts in practice. Like he's, there's never a puck that's done if it's in the corner or he missed the net or whatever. He's always, he's always going till he hears a whistle. And he's just, he's a, I can't say anything bad about Brett. He's, he's a great leader and he's, and it starts with him not even talking, just his work ethic just speaks for itself.
0: 100%. I think even watching the stands, you can see the guy makes guys accountable and whether it be teammates that he wants to kind of you know, effectively sort of show the way forward or or guys on other teams he wants to kinda get under the skin, he does a good role at playing that role. Now, of course, you had two good years in Guilford in in terms of numbers. Now, everyone knows how last season went. We talked about Guilford incessantly on the pod last year about we thought you were gonna win the league. Inevitably it didn't happen, uh for different reasons at the end. It must still hurt now because you clearly would have obviously been on that team for the two years, and you build something special. What went wrong? What do you think was the reason why things didn't get off the line last year? I'm not
1: sure. You know, no one expected us to be there in that position. Like we were, we were so consistent all year, and we kind of rallied behind that, being the underdogs, being you know, and not not a arena team to to be up there in the standings and challenging for the for the league championship. And um, you know, it kind of. I don't know if how many guys will admit it, but when we got word on when we read it online that the CHL, if we won the league, we weren't be able to be involved in that, and that was what two or three weeks before the last time we played Belfast when we were even still in it, and we dropped a couple games in that during that stint. But uh, I'd be lying if it said it didn't it didn't hurt us a little bit because we're like, then day, what are we playing for? Because that's kind of you want to be in that position, you want to be in a position where you're playing other other best teams in other countries and for them to just say, Oh, if you guys win, it doesn't really mean anything. Kind of, it, it kind of, it's kind of, it's, it's not a good feeling, but then again, <laughs> like you want to kind of rally behind that too and be like, well, screw them. You know, You can be like, like we're the best team. We want to prove that we're the best team. But unfortunately we just, we, what, we we're two points short or something and we just couldn't get it done.
0: Yeah, I think that spell, and I've talked about to the guys who were on the team last year, that week when you had uh, three home games and you lost all three, ironically, you of them against Coventry as well. And I think you can always say over the course of the year that everything evens out and, you know, you can point to any game. That spell we lost three games at home was probably the time, I think, where you lost that league. Do you agree or do you think there's more to it than that? No, probably
1: for sure. I mean, you can't be losing three in a row, right? you got to be. That's the whole point of the winning league is you got to be consistent every night and you can't be dropping a few in a row and yeah that would that would probably be, the major case to why we didn't win the game win the league,
0: yeah and we were all start too because Belfast winning the league, it's kind of boring you know we don't want Belfast winning everything all the time I <laughs> you know? so there were about another fifty thousand Guildford fans I think from. January onwards hoping you'd win the league but uh, not, not to be. A couple more things before t- uh, Scott joins in a second. You mentioned of course about the fact that you had the chance taken away for the Challenge Cup uh, sorry the CHL apologies if you'd won the league. Um, not to talk on a turn a little bit. We've had a few guys on before the play in Guildford still and I guess I would want to put them under you know, too much pressure but how is it playing in that rink week after week because when you go as an away fan it's an awful facility. I guess like any rink, when you play in it every week, you get to learn to love it. But talk me through how you motivate yourself to play in that facility every single week, because to me it's probably the worst one in the league. Well, now going in there as an away team, it's an awful facility too. (laughs) (laughs) I love it.
1: Uh, But I don't, I mean, when you're, when it's your home, you just embrace it, right? You just, I mean, the room's decent. You got your gym there and you got a, we have a kitchen. It kind of, I don't know, it just feels like home when you when it's yours, right? And then you just kind of embrace what's next. Is the is Zamboni going to work? What are the boards going to be like today? How is the ice going to be from the 500 public skaters beforehand? <laughs> like, You just come to the rink and you kind of just laugh about it and it kind of brings you together in a way. Just on last season, Liam,
2: was there a little frustration from yourself personally? I, I know the team were doing great and that, but your, your, your lines were Muddled up a lot. I know you played with Lakovic a lot. You playing with uh, Levi. You playing with Markland. You were playing with Tristan Fry. Did that bother you in the sense of you wanted a bit more top end minutes
1: because you had produced the the year before? Absolutely, it bothered me. Like I was playing towards the end. I was playing maybe twelve, thirteen minutes a night. And for myself, I'm a guy that needs to have the minutes to really be involved in the game and emotionally and and um, and just trying to take over and get your chances and get more confident. But when you're playing that many minutes a night, you're just, it's hard to be, to make an impact. And no disrespect to the guys I was playing with. I, I was, I love playing with, I played with Laco a lot, but when I'm playing with Laco, you know, we're more of a defensive role, right? Cause Laco's yeah. good. He's a good and deep, good centerman in his D zone. And and, for, and then that's just kind of just, then you have to work on that part of your game and you're not really getting the chances for, and I mean, yeah, it was very frustrating.
2: Yeah, I noticed that because you, the points, the points are going to drop, and when you're playing with Levi, the the points were the, were a little bit more there for you. The frustration. Um, tell me if I'm wrong here. You scored against Guildford uh, at the Sky Dome this season, and there was a long look at the Guildford bench. Was that a kind of saying, "Remember me"?
1: Absolutely, yeah, that's exactly I, what it was.
2: Yeah, I, I, we, a few of us spotted that, and uh, it was a, it was, a, it was good to see because, don't get me wrong, we I was speaking to we were speaking to David Clements um, earlier on in the season, and I said, "Oh, everyone hates a Bit Naughty, he's, he's, he's a git," <laughs> and you didn't have the best of relationships with him. So, how was that first point with him when you joined the team? You know, it
1: gets brought up all the time, but it's funny. I mean, me and Clement, like, the first time I was here. Just got into the city, and you know we go to the pub to meet the guys. And there was just a few of us here, being day one. And I see David over there, and I just went over there. And we gave each other a hug. That's yeah. what we did, <laughs> and we just laughed it off. We joke around. We still joke around to this day. He still says I'm his, I'm his most hated player. <laughs> yeah, I was agreeing with him last year. I'll be honest. Yeah. Uh, him and Brett
2: because i not normally Brett isn't my favorite either. But yeah. let's let's talk about. Um, Let's talk about the, the season so far for the, for the Coventry Blaze. 13 league games in, uh, five wins, eight losses. It's been a, a, a tough start. We lost five of our first home games in the league. So we're on a stretch now, three games in a row. How has the season been for you as a team
1: so far? And what's been the difference over the last couple of weeks? Okay, yeah. So as a team, um, no, like we're the youngest team in the league you know, it's going to take guys some time, time to get confidence, time to learn a new system because they've only been with one other team before, right? Usually guys are just coming out of college or they've only known one system their whole kind of careers. And then they're coming into pro learning or something brand new. And then for those first like 10, 10 games, you got guys thinking, you can watch them think on the ice, am I supposed to be here? Am I supposed to play here? But then lately you just guys can go out there and just, kind of play and know where they're going to be and not have to think about it so it just comes from the the confidence of learning your system and having the reps in games and then maturing as a player from the 10-13 games we've played right so it's you know I'm not we knew it was going to be hard at the beginning of the year just with how our age and our we're a little smaller so But uh, the last few weeks, we've behind the scenes, Stewie and Kino, we've worked out some kinks and we've changed a couple things out, and it's shown that it's worked. And we're going to stick with it. And hopefully, we can ride this. And, you know, I think, what are we, two or three games back? We still have those games in hand. And if we win those games, we're in what, fourth? So a couple games. Second, yeah. The league's tight. It is. It is very tight. Um, Talking about yourself,
2: I mean, you're fourth in points. In the league, um, you're behaving yourself. You're, you're not getting into too many skirmishes. Uh, you're over 50% on the dot. You started off the season centering uh, the line with um, Roth and Christo. And then Danny had to move it around. He trusted you to go on the the wing with uh, Luciani and Talberg. And the last few weeks, it seems to be a line that is really clicking. Especially, as you said, with Alessio Luciani. First year in, he, he seems to be loving it right now.
1: Yeah, well, uh, Stewie just wanted to, I get to create more depth. You know, as a line, we were, we were kind of just, we were kind of the only ones doing something every night. Um, uh, no disrespect to everyone else, but then now we kind of, we got that depth where you can get a goal here, you can get a goal from another line, right? And there's just, there's more looks to it, but, um, and then, yeah, Luch, he's been, he's been good lately. He's been, like I said, playing with more confidence and, I think me and Talberg, uh, with our veteran experience, we can help him and help him play to his position and help him kind of keep him in line. And I think it's helped him quite a bit.
2: Has indeed. And then we, the power play, second in the league at the moment. It's very dangerous at the moment. It's The top line is Christo, yourself, Ruff, um, Kim and Brady. When that power play line comes on, you must think we're going to score here. And I feel like that that is going to be very
1: advantageous going forward in this league because people ain't going to want to take penalties against us. Yeah, well, we take pride in it. We work on it all the time. We're always watching video, we're watching other teams' penalty kills, <clears throat> you know. But we don't, we don't really talk about how much we're scoring or anything. Like we learned that yesterday or the day before that we we're second league in power play in the power play, and we're like, wow, no way, okay. Like, but it's a thing, or you don't want to dwell on it because you don't want to get. I don't know. You don't want to get too cocky about it or anything. You just want to keep doing what you're doing and kind of keeping it simple. And I feel like that's what we have been doing this year: is just keeping it simple, giving it to Brady, shoot that puck, wherever <laughs> it goes, just tapping that rebound, or you know, just we're just trying to keep everything simple for us.
2: Talking to keeping things simple, the change uh, early on the season, bringing Carter Allen in. He is just playing the game the right way, and he's gone very unnoticed by most fans, but he
1: really is like a a sure put the back and been quite impressive, you know, but that's good for him if he can go a game without being noticed, and that's his game, and that's exactly what we want him for and he's He's a great guy in the locker room too, big personality funny guy, but he's he's a he's a unit out there, like you don't want to get caught in his train tracks because he's he's a pretty heavy hitter too he's strong.
2: Yeah, he is indeed. And then a couple of players that were here last year um, and the year before, Mitch Cook's been here for a couple of years, and Tyler Kirkup. It's not, it's not clicking in the score in front. They're working their asses off. What are the guys saying to them to just keep them cool? Because it, you do start thinking, oh, it's not, it's not working out. It's not working out this year. What are the guys doing in the room to keep them
1: level-headed? Well, yeah, you see the frustration for sure, but. I mean, in games, like you can't really tell. Like they're working hard and they're they're creating old zone chances and they're creating chances in front of the net. It's just it's just not getting the bounces. You know, you can talk about the hockey gods not being on your side right now, but once you once Cookie gets his first, I know they're just gonna they're just gonna fall in for him because I mean he's not doing anything wrong. He's working hard in practice. He's doing what he needs to do. It's just just a matter of getting that first one and just because it's it's always going to be in the back of your mind as a player. So. You know, he's just got to keep doing what he's been doing, and you know he hasn't been hurting us, and he'll be he'll be getting his goals. <laughs> yeah, I, I
2: fully I fully agree. Big weekend coming up, oh, a big couple of weeks for the Blaze. We're at home, double home this weekend with the Giants on Saturday, the Panthers on Sunday, and then the Giants on Wednesday. How are you approaching the next few weeks? Because obviously it's league and cup. Are you approaching it any differently, or is it taking game by game?
1: I mean, you got to take a big game by game, but For the cup, I mean, it's the first taste of kind of playoff game, right? You can't you can't let your foot off the gas for five minutes, especially against Belfast, because you know they might be down a little bit right now, but they have the firepower to just come at you. You can't you you can't think about them lightly at all. But um, we we got a pretty hard schedule this whole week or this whole month, I guess, against you know teams that are supposed to be at the top of the table every year, and we're this is a good month for us to prove that you know, these three games aren't a fluke that we're, I not know, this win streak we're on. We're just going to keep building and building and we're going to show them that, hey, don't forget about the Coventry boys.
2: Yeah. Oh, I like the sound of that. How do you treat those home, double homes differently? Because we were in Fife Saturday night. You arrived back at 6 a.m., was it, Sunday? Yeah. Like the sleep patterns and how, how,
1: how different
2: is it the week on the week and
1: how do you deal with your bodies going through all that? It's tough because like you get home from the bus. I think we didn't walk into our places till about what six forty five. Then, then you get off the bus, from unpacking your gear and getting in your car and drive, and you're kind of then you're kind of on a little bit of a high, right? You're not gonna you're not just going straight to sleep. So you get to bed about seven thirty eight. You sleep till twelve or one, and then you eat and you go to the rink, <laughs> and then in the following night you're screwed up till about four or five in the morning. So it takes a few days, and but I mean at this point. In our careers, like we're all used to it. We're used to not sleeping, or you, or you're used to doing what you need to do to get back into that that cycle you need to be in. But everyone's good now. I mean, whether it's waking up in the morning, go to practice, and then may, go on with your day. You have to just kind of forget about it and just keep going.
2: Just one more for me on the Blaze. the Challenge Cup is an aggregate scoreline. It is. It is what it is. How do you approach? Is it two games, 60? Are you conscious of, or do you push for that extra goal? What's the, the mentality going into next week's massive game?
1: It's tough to say. I mean, the, being the first leg at home, I think that's a massive advantage for us because it's it's such a hard place to play as an away player. It's a away team, like with the fans and the, the different ice surface and the locker room you got to be in. Like, it's different. And so I feel like we have to take that game by itself and then... We got to travel to Belfast, and that's a separate game. So you got to take kind of period by period at home, stay within the game, stay stay close. Let it, don't get don't let it go go down one two nil. Stay. We need to just keep it as close as we can until we get the chances, or however we want to look at it. But the game at home is is ours. We have to be we have to be winning that.
0: The way you play the game, you play obviously a, a bit of an edge, um, kind of guy that like you said Ferguson similar earlier. Play against you you hate you if you play for you know for your team you love you who have you modeled your game on growing up was there any one player that you sort of saw growing up that you thought yeah i want to be like this guy or is it all of you that yeah. doing
1: it's kind of a mix actually my my two favorite players growing up were joe sakic and todd bertuzzi oh wow <laughs> sakic was my favorite player too so there's a there's a little mix in there for me i, I like the todd bertuzzi or even a brad marchant i like that you know that gritty, that kind of in-your-face kind of style, and then I, I really tried to role model my game around. Or role model I had was Joe Sakic, just the way he comes into work every day, and um, all he did was work. And then that snapshot.
0: <laughs> yeah, unreal player. I actually got drunk once with a guy that claimed to be his cousin over in Croatia. Well, there's sure not, I don't know. We had the same surname, which is probably very common. It's probably like Smith in <laughs> Croatia, to be fair. And I was like thinking, this is so cool. Um, yeah that's a great answer last couple if you don't mind now you're obviously playing on the blue side of the rivalry with Guildford where would you see your biggest rivals going forward are you now are Guildford your biggest rivals or have you like adopted the Cardiff thing because you're playing in Coventry or which team is that you think is now your big rival
1: I think Cardiff I think Cardiff even in my Guildford days it was Cardiff Coventry you always hated playing those teams and it's got to
0: still stick with Cardiff. Yeah, that makes sense. That's a good answer. I obviously you see Cardiff, to be fair, because that the answer <laughs> should be. I don't buy this Guilford-Carpentry rivalry. It's a lot of games against each other, but the rivalry, I think, is right, because Guildford and Cardiff have got a good thing going on, and Carpentry and, and uh, Cardiff definitely have. And last one, yeah. I know, obviously, you're kind of uh, nearly 31. Happy birthday for the weekend, by the way. So if you're not oh, exactly a, you. a youngster anymore. Um, yeah. Do you see yourself playing in any leagues in Europe without sort of pissing off any commentary fans right now, do you see yourself maybe stepping onto other leagues outside of the UK before you retire? Or do you think now you're here in an English-speaking country that you can happily see
1: out your time in the UK? Well, you said it, right? English-speaking country, you know, you're comfortable here. It's not a big culture shock. Um, I've thought about leaving at times, but... You know, it, it is such a big culture shock. And I have friends over there that kind of, at some point, they just, they hate it. They hate it because they have no one to talk to. They're all by themselves in their apartment. And you can't go to the grocery store without, you know, what the heck's, what is this word? What's going on here? I don't know what this is. And, you know, they can't communicate with other people. And, you know, I'm just, I've been happy with my time in the UK. I love the UK. And the people are are great everywhere I've been. So, I mean, I, I could see myself staying
0: here for a few years yeah and as you say as long as you can have your day-to-day life being comfortable that's the most important thing you can make an extra few quid maybe in other countries but maybe not be as happy so whilst you're here we love having you here love watching you play whether you're playing you know for coventry or anybody else good luck for the future thank you for joining us this evening it's been a pleasure speaking to you all
1: right thanks a lot guys